0: Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, Um, and as you're turning there, I want to ask you to pray about something. Uh, Tomorrow uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm scheduled to be uh, preaching out at the Lovelock prison, Uh, and it's the first time in two and a half years uh, that that, that I've been able to get in there. Uh, but they are having a major employment crisis in the prison system, uh, particularly Lovelock. And the prison, because of the lack of prison guards, the prison goes into lockdown often. And if that happens, then they won't let me in. Um, So pray that everybody comes to work tomorrow (laughs) and they do not lock down the prison and, and that so I am scheduled to be to to be uh, preaching four different messages. Uh, so I'll be there all day, uh, preaching all day. Uh, so just pray that God works out all the details and that the prison is open and and um, don't lock down while you're in yeah yeah they yeah they don't lock down while I'm in there yeah exactly uh, but um, yeah we lovingly refer, refer to the uh, prison out there as the Love Lock B and B. So. Uh, I really don't want it to become a b and b for me, okay? Just saying. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, if you would help pray pray with me about that, I, I would really appreciate that. Um, Genesis chapter thirty seven we have been talking about the life of joseph and and uh, Joseph is a just a really super interesting person, uh, just a great man of God, a great character. Um, but last week, as we were, uh, talking about Joseph, I, I referenced uh, Job for a little bit, and uh, Job is another guy who went through some amazing uh, di- difficult trials, uh, as, as most of us know without even most of us know the story without even reading the Bible, because the story of Job is 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 well documented and known throughout the world. And Job is a guy who just endured some incredible things. But near the end of the book of Job, he says something that, and we talked about it last week, but he says something that I wanted to to bring back up today because it's an incredible statement. After everything that Job had gone through, he says this in Job chapter 23 and verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. And we, when he hath tried me, or when he had put me to the test, I shall come forth as gold. That that that's an incredible statement. And and as I as I have thought about it, I I I recognize that that Job himself recognized that there was a purpose in this trial that he had to endure. Now. I'm sure if Job was here today, he would tell you, yeah, the trial was not fun at all. I mean, because as, as you read it, it, your heart just breaks, because I mean, literally within a matter of a few minutes, he loses everything and everybody that is close to him except his wife. I mean, he loses everything. And in, in literally in just a matter of a few minutes. And then he gets the 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 the, the um, boils and the and the you know I mean he just goes through so much, but he recognizes that there's a purpose for the suffering. There's a purpose for the trial. Now I don't think he understood what that purpose was, but he understood there was a purpose. And and. As we go forward this morning, as we look at the life of Joseph, I believe Joseph was in the same situation. Joseph was somebody who endured incredible things. You know, he was, he was thrown into prison. He was sold as a slave. His, his brothers wanted to kill him. And on and on and on and on we could go. And at some point, he had to come to the realization, I don't understand what God's doing, but God is doing something. And oftentimes in our trials and our and we're going to be talking specifically about the famine in in Egypt here in a few minutes. So, but so when we go through the famines of life or the trials of life, there are oftentimes the only thing we can hold on to is the fact that we can trust that God's doing something, and that is that is so important. Early in Joseph's life, Joseph's father Jacob gives him a, a coat. And in the Bible, it's called a coat of many colors. So look in Genesis chapter 37 in verses 3 and 4. It says, Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that his father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do. And Lord, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, and that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The truth is, nobody knows what this coat looked like. Those of us that, well, those of you, I did not grow up going to church, so I, 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 but my kids did. Um, but they would bring home Sunday school papers and stuff, and, and this, it would be this really colorful coat with all these pretty colors and everything. and And we don't know what it looked like, okay? But what is important about the coat isn't so much what it looked like, but the meaning or the significance behind the coat. Does that make sense? Because if we get caught up on what it looked like, we f- we forget to to focus on what the significance of the coat was. The significance of, of this coat, um, when Jacob... And what what I did this week, just to make sure I was on the right track, I have a friend who is a, a Hebrew scholar. I, I mean, this guy, um, he, <laughs> he is absolutely incredible. When he comes to church, he does not bring... A normal Bible with him. He brings a Greek Bible and a Hebrew Bible. I mean, that, that, this this guy thinks on a completely different level than a normal person. But anyway, I called him and I said, okay, I want to know about this coat. Tell me what, what is the significance of this coat? So he opened up the Hebrew Bible and he went through and he explained all this stuff to me. And basically, this is what he told me. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you so that I, I get it right. He said, the, the the significance of this coat is this. This young man was a young man of of great character and will someday be a man of great respect. So when Jacob gave his son this coat, he was prophesying, if you would, that this young man of great character would someday be a man of great respect. That's that's the significance of this coat. And when his brothers saw it, they got upset and they got angry at him. And and the Bible says that they hated him because of it. Because they understood the significance of the coat. Now, as I... As I was reading through this, I want to emphasize something here because I think this is important. Jacob's prediction or prophecy, if you would, about Joseph's future life came prior to Joseph's dreams. Now, those of you that were here when we talked about the dreams and all that, so Joseph... uh, uh, (laughs) I always get their names mixed up. So Jacob was prophesying before Joseph's dreams. And that's an amazing thought. His dad knew that God would someday use something in this young boy's life to make him a great leader. That's an amazing thought. I want to very quickly talk about the significance of the coat for just a minute because there, there, it, 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 the the coat itself carried with it three important images for the culture. Okay, one of the the first one is that that the the priesthood it represented the priesthood of the family. So when again when Jacob gave this coat to Joseph, he was he was telling the rest of the sons that the number. 11 child number 11 child would be the priest of the family and this is significant because of the culture of that day that the, the priest of the family set the tone if you would for the family worship once Jacob was gone the second thing that it did is it, is, it, it the, the ancestral line now would go through Joseph and not Reuben the oldest Again, it's a it's a huge in our in our culture today it's like so what, but back then that was a huge deal. The other thing that it did is the oldest or the 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 blessed son, which was almost always the oldest, got a larger portion of the inheritance once dad died. And by doing this, by giving Joseph, this coat, he was basically cutting out Reuben from the larger portion of the inheritance. So there's a lot of moving parts in this coat, and there's a lot of moving parts to cause the hatred between Joseph's brothers and Joseph. Now, let me say this. There's never a reason to hate, period. Okay, let me let me say that again and see if I can get a response this time there's never a reason to hate okay never it would appear that Jacob saw something very very special in his son Joseph and as we as excuse me as he looked to the future he saw that his, his son, that God was going to do something special in his life. Now, let's fast forward to chapter 42 where we left off last week. Genesis chapter 42. Now, when Jacob saw... There was corn in Egypt. Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look up upon one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there was corn in Egypt. Get ye get ye down thither and buy uh, <coughs> for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, uh, Joseph's brother, uh, by the way, Benjamin is son number 12, just in case you didn't know. Um, uh, but Benjamin, Joseph's brother, uh, Jacob sent not with his um, brethren, for he said, lest prevent your mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So here we have... <coughs> The, the the beginning of the famine and uh, Joseph uh, is in charge of d- distributing the food as people come to Egypt um, uh, to buy food. It's Joseph's responsibility to uh, distribute the, the food. Now I want to I want to stop here and I want to I want to I want to point out some glaring deficiencies of character in these verses that we just read here in, in chapter 42. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but there are some some glaring deficiencies in leadership. There's a, a lack of leadership. Let me put it to you that way. Jacob, by this time, was an old man. And his sons should have been taking care of him not him taking care of his sons. Jacob is the one who recognized that there was food in Egypt. He's the one that found where the food was. <clears throat> in verse 1, it says, why do you, why, 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 well let me let me read it well why do you look uh, one upon another another was what he's saying is why are you just sit around looking at each other waiting for something to happen you need to get busy and do something go down to Egypt and buy food before we die I mean it, 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 there, there's there's a there's a disconnect in leadership here and, and, and Reuben, particularly the older son, should have been the one coming to Jacob saying, hey, you know what, dad? Uh, I've heard that there's food in Egypt. We need to go down to Egypt and get some food. But there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect. There's, a, there's a, a deficiency of leadership among the 10 brothers of Joseph. Let me say this. Leadership is something that we all need to cultivate in our lives today. We live in a society today that downplays and does not encourage leadership. Uh, Dwight D. D Eisenhower wrote this. He said, in order to be a leader of men, a man must have followers to have followers, they must have a man must have their confidence. Hence, a supreme quality—excuse me—the supreme quality of a leader is unquestionable integrity. Without it, no real success is possible. No matter uh, if it is on a section gang, on a football team, in the army, or in an office. If a man's associates find him guilty of phoniness, if they find that he lacks forthright integrity, he will fail. His teachings and actions must square with each other. The first great need, therefore, is integrity and high purpose. Leadership is something that we all need to nurture in ourselves. But it's something that we all need to nurture in our children as well. and as as we look at this story, and as this story progresses, you will see this this lack of leadership among joseph's uh, uh, Joseph's brothers over and over and over. And it's Joseph who becomes the leader of the family as we as we will see as time progresses. The title of my message is this, Putting Them to the Test. Putting Them to the Test. Joseph is about to put his brothers to the test. And and if you're familiar with the story, the test is not just just short-lived. It is a test of quite some length to try and find out where they are. I have the uh, slide for you here, those of you that are uh, keeping up with my timeline. Um, you know, we've watched the life of Joseph uh, since the time he was sold into slavery and all the disappointment and the, and the temptations and all the trials that Joseph has endured up till now. And then tonight, the, this morning's message is putting them to the test. Putting them to the test is so important because Joseph ultimately is trying to find out the kind of character that his brothers have the kind of character that his brothers have. As as it, 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 let, let's start reading in, in verse 6 here in, of, of our passage in chapter 42. And Joseph was a governor over the land, and he uh, it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph said, Um, or excuse me, saw his brethren uh, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams uh, which he had dreamed of them and said unto them, ye are spies uh, to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, uh, but but to buy food uh, are thy servants come. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Uh, Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but I see the nakedness, uh, 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 but to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man, in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, uh, That uh, is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved or put to the test by the life of Pharaoh. Ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come come hither. Send one of you, and lest uh, lest him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely... Ye are spies. And he put them and he put them all together uh, inward three days, and Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the famine of, of your house, and bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, We would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them and said, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not this sin against the child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold also, his blood is required. Joseph could have very easily, when his brothers came up and he recognized who they were, Joseph could have very easily told his servants, kill them all. Couldn't he? The Egyptians were known as, as very brutal people. And they, they would have, without, without question, Joseph's servants would have killed all his brethren for what, for what they had done to him. But he didn't do that. But Joseph also could have walked out and said, Hey, fellas, it's me. But why, But he doesn't do that. Why is that? Because Joseph handles the situation very wisely. And he puts them to the test because, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Point number one here, he tests their character. He tests their character. He spoke spoke roughly. In verse 7, it says that he spoke roughly to them. Uh, 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 In other words, he didn't coddle them. You know, one of the the mistakes that, that Jacob had made and oftentimes parents make is they want to coddle their children. But Joseph spake roughly to them. He didn't hold back. He told them the way it was to see how they would react. In verse 17, he then throws them in prison for three days. I'll tell you what, that'll wake you up. You know, when I go to the prison, I mentioned going to the prison. I mean, I I go out there for a day and when I leave there, I'm praising God, I'm walking out the door, okay? And I'm not even an inmate yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I there there are times, honestly, when I go into the to the prison out there, it, it just I, you know you hear those those doors closing behind you, and and chills just run up your spine. But for three days they were in prison. Joseph Joseph put him in prison for three days. I believe Joseph had figured out by now the majority of God's plan. It says that when he when he saw his brothers, he remembered his dream. And I, I believe Joseph was starting to put all the pieces together finally. I don't think he quite got all of it, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he he started putting the pieces together and started to understand what was what was about to, to happen. But he didn't trust his brothers. See, these 10 brothers earlier in Joseph's life wanted to kill him. So if if he had stepped out and and said, "Hey, hey, guys, it's me. There was no guarantee they wouldn't try to kill him. See, Joseph had to figure all this out. Last week we talked about famines and how famines, God can use famines in our lives to build character. And famines, famines can do that, but famines can also reveal character as well. God uses famines in our trials in our lives to, to build our character, but he also uses trials to reveal our character and And Joseph was putting them in prison to 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 try to to find out what was really going on in their hearts and minds. Because I'll tell you, you spend three days in jail and you'll it'll come out pretty fast. But God gives us a character test. I don't know if you know this or not, but in 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 second Peter chapter one, God gives us, excuse me, a character cha- test. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, or the word virtue is uh, is goodness, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance um, patience. The word temperance there is the word Uh, self-control. And to uh, brotherly kindness, charity, or love. For if these things be in you, this is the character test. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if those things are in you and abound, that's going to reveal your character. If they are not in you, and they do not abound, it's going to reveal your character. Calvin Coolidge said this, we do not need more knowledge, we need more character. D.L. Moody rightly said, character is what you are in the dark. When nobody's watching, that's who you really are. So number one, he he needed to uh, test their character number two he needed to test their honesty look at verse 11 we are one man's sons who are true men thy servants uh, are no spies and he said unto them nay but uh, but to see the nakedness of the land you come and they said uh, thy servants are 12 brethren uh, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan and behold, the youngest uh, is this day with our father and the other one is not. Now, <clears throat> were they being honest? There are two lies in those three verses. Okay, look at verse, verse 11, the first lie. We are uh, one man's son and we are true men or honest men. Were they honest? No. What is, where's the other lie? The end of verse 13. And he says, "And one is not, or one, one of our brothers is dead." They were not being honest to Joseph. And can you imagine when Joseph heard this? It had to have hurt it had to have just hurt him down deep inside, because he knew the truth. Now, I read one commentator that said that Joseph's brothers had told the lie so many times that they probably believed that Joseph was probably dead by now. So that they were just assuming that he was dead, but they didn't know that for a fact. But in verse 11, they said, but we are honest or we are true men. Do you think Joseph was hoping that they had turned over a new leaf. I, I do. But he had to know, he had to know where they were. In reality, what Joseph was doing was showing great wisdom because he needed to know if he could trust them. When I became a chaplain for Lyon County, <clears throat> the process for me to become a chaplain took almost a year and a half. Because they didn't just simply run a background check on me. They scoured my past. I mean, they they literally, I mean, it was like I was going for a top-secret clearance in the military or something. I mean they, they called people that from my past and talked to them and I mean people it was just crazy what they had to do. And I finally I asked the, the lady I said why why are you doing all this stuff and she said cuz we we have to know if we can trust you. You know here at Grace Baptist Church when you know people come to our church and they say hey we want to start working with young people you know what we don't do? So, oh, here, go ahead. <laughs> no. We, we we do run background checks. Everybody who handles, handles money around here, uh, anybody who um, works with young people, we run background checks on everybody. And we do our dil- due diligence to the best of our ability to check people's background. Why? Because... Your children are the most precious asset our church has. And Joseph was doing his due diligence to try and find out if his brothers had turned over a new leaf. David. Well, one of the things, and, and I, I, I talk about this kind of often, but one of the things that we need to do, we should do on a regular basis, is examine our own hearts. I was talking to somebody um, <clears throat> day before yesterday, and, and uh, they made the statement, "I am always harder on myself than anybody else is." How many of you fall into the same category? We, we all. That is. That is human nature. We are always more critical of ourselves than, than other people are. And we should, on a regular basis, examine our own lives. In fact, David was a man, King David in the Bible was a man who, who asked God to examine him on a regular basis, uh, let me give you a couple examples. In Psalm chapter 26 and verse 2, uh, David said to God, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me or put me to the test. Try my reins and my heart. In Psalm chapter 139 and verses 23 and 24, uh, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Honesty is something that oftentimes our society struggles with. In a USA Today poll, they found that only 56% of American uh, uh, Americans teach honesty to their children. of parents teach honesty to their children. And a Lois Harris poll turned up the distressing fact that 65% of high school students would cheat on an important exam. Why is that number so high? Because... Honesty is not being taught at home. Recently, a noted physician appeared on a a news talk show, morning show thing. You, you You know those morning show things? And this is what he said. Lying is an important part of social life. A child who is unable to do it is a child who may never develop, uh, excuse me, never have, Or excuse me, may have developmental problems. Excuse me? There's something wrong with that doctor. But the reality is this. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we are living in a world that's upside down right now. Wrong is right, and right is wrong. And according to this doctor, children today will not develop properly unless they are taught how to lie. There's a major disconnect somewhere in our society today. If anything, believers today should exude honesty. We talked about this last Wednesday night in our our Bible study, but Isaiah chapter 50, or excuse me, chapter 5 and verse 20. Um, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that puts uh, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now that again, the the last Wednesday we talked about that that word woe there. You don't want that word in front of your name. When God says, whoa, that is not a good thing. But woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And that doctor one day is going to stand before God. And it's not going to be pretty. Our world is upside down. Number three, not only did Joseph need to test their character, their their honesty, but he, he wanted to test their conscience. And I'll tell you what: three days in prison will bring out your conscience. Verse nineteen says, "If if ye be true men, let one of your uh, brethren be bound in the house of the of of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the famine." of your house and bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified and uh, ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he sought us and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress upon us. They had guilty consciences. And famines in our lives, trials in our lives, will will cause us to examine our hearts and our consciences will be revealed to us. But look at verse 22. And Reuben answered, Uh, them saying, spake I not, uh, do not this sin against the child, and he would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Joseph tells them, he comes to them and he tells them, he says, he said, look, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you says I'm going to I want you to decide among you which one of your brothers but one of your brothers one of the 10 brothers is going to stay here in Egypt and the other 9 are going to go back to Canaan and what I want you to do is get your brother Benjamin and bring him back now does anybody know why Joseph wanted to see Benjamin anybody okay just so you know Benjamin was Joseph's younger brother, okay? The other 10 were only half brothers. They all had this, all 12 had the same dad, but Benjamin, the number 12 child, was his only true brother. And Joseph desperately wanted to see his brother. So that's why he wanted them to go get Benjamin and bring him back. In verse 21, we see another demonstration of the lack of leadership among uh, uh, with with Reuben. Because Reuben Reuben says something in verse 22 that is that is not accurate. It is another lie. Reuben in verse 22 starts off by saying, "Say, see, I told you so," which is kind of true. But then what does he say in verse, verse 22? He says, um, uh, 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 Spake I not unto you, do not this sin against the child, and ye would not hear. And and <clears throat> the reality is this, that's not exactly what he said. In Genesis chapter 37, you don't have to turn there, I'll, I'll just read it to you. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 22 Uh, The the Bible says this and Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him uh, out of their hand to deliver him unto their father. So in other words, Reuben did not tell them not to sin by killing him, but basically Reuben was just offering a compromise of sin. Again, a lack of leadership. You know, the first sign of bad leadership is what we call blame shifting. Okay? Reuben was the oldest of the 12 sons. He was supposed to be the leader. But when, when, when the pressure was on, What does Reuben do? First thing he says is, I told you so, and it's all your fault. That's not true. Reuben, back in chapter 37, could have stopped it if he wanted to. But he didn't want to. Why? Because he still hated his brother. He just didn't want him dead. So Reuben blame shifts and uh, again that is that is a prime a prime example of poor leadership so those of you that are in leadership uh, at work or whatever parents excuse me don't do that if you mess up own it that is a sign of great leadership when you own your mistakes But Reuben's hypocrisy uh, comes forth in his life and and it it is prevalent here in chapter 42 and and we'll see it as, as we progress through the rest of the story. But hypocrisy in our lives comes in a lot of different ways. We post on Facebook or social media how much we love Jesus but then we allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. That's hypocrisy. We tell or laugh at inappropriate jokes. I, and I could go on and on and on about hypocrisy in the lives of believers today. But don't let it be part of your life. Second Timothy chapter three and verse five says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. <clears throat> did I, did I mess you up, Chris? Oh, okay. Cause I changed it in my notes, but I didn't tell you, I'm sorry. Um, and then James chapter three and verse eight, um, uh, eight and following, it says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is a, an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Wherewith, uh, bless we God, even the Father, and with uh, therewith curse we men, <coughs> which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. <coughs> My brethren, these things ought not, ought not so to be. In other words, what, what, is, what is James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, telling us here? God gave us an incredible tool. We can use this tool we call a tongue to bless God, but we can also use it to curse men. What are we doing with our mouths? Uh, Reuben here uh, is a perfect example of someone who had no character. He lied multiple times. The hypocrisy of his mouth. But when he stood before Joseph, what would he say? He said, hey, we are honest men. But he wasn't. And as we see this story unfold, we'll see how Joseph, God used Joseph, Joseph in their lives to help get them back where they needed to be. In the beginning I mentioned that Jacob, Joseph's dad, saw something special in him and gave him a coat to signify that one day Joseph would be a man of great respect. In closing, I want to ask a question. I want to I want to close with a question. Are you ready? What kind of character do you have? What kind of character do you have? Do you have do you have character like Reuben where it looks good on the outside but is rotten on the inside? Or do you have character like Joseph where it's pure and right? What kind of character do you have? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the, the challenge that you give us in the Word of God that helps us to examine our own hearts. Lord, help us to take the examples that we've seen this morning and and grow through them. Lord, help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us to see our need for you in our lives. But Lord, honestly, help us to honestly examine our own lives and determine what kind of character that we have the character of Reuben or the character of Joseph with every